Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast, where we believe that healthy cash flow is critical for your IT business, automation is paramount, and building trust with your clients by looking professional will help grow your business. I'm your host, Dave Scott, the head of marketing here at Connect Booster. And today, you're going to learn about some pretty profound struggles related to owning and growing an IT business. I mean, I, I, I've been through a lot. I mean, everything from, you know, from, from having massive service delivery issues to clients leaving that you didn't expect, groups of clients leaving. And that's, that's stuff that's, that's out of, that some of that's out of your control. I mean, it's, it's how you react to those situations. Here's the podcast with Scott. Scott Spiro, thanks for joining us on this podcast, the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast. Um, you know, really appreciate your time and uh, and efforts, and just appreciate you as being one of the the, the great partners inside of the Connect Booster community. Uh, Scott, talk to me a little bit about your business, and um, first tell me, you know, your name, where you're at, and the name of your company. Okay, well, I think you already got that one covered, Scott Spiro. Mm-hmm. Um, Company's called Computer Solutions Group, and we're out of Los Angeles, California. We're a managed service provider. Awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, certainly thank you for having me. Be glad to answer any questions that I can. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about what was the passion behind starting your business? What was the, as Seth Godin talks about, the why behind the why? What was the why behind starting your company? The why was, gosh, you know, it's been a while. I started it back in 96, mm-hmm. and I would say, the why was probably out of necessity. I Got it. Um, was a graduate of UCLA in the theater department. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my friends went on to be successful in entertainment. And honestly, Dave, my problem was I sucked at waiting on tables. <laughs> they were probably good at it. And so I couldn't hold a job doing that. Right. And so on the other hand, I did have a knack for computers and yeah. technology, but it was never my intention to pursue it. Right. Uh, professionally, to be honest. So I, I just needed a way to cover my expenses yeah. while I was auditioning. Yeah, no doubt. And then it turned into a full-time business, and here you are, what, 21 years later. That is a crazy transition from theater to technology. Talk to me a little <laughs> bit more about that. Yeah, it, it, I guess it was. A lot of times, wherever I would go, and people would find out I knew something about computers, so they would have questions, and they'd want to get some help. And I remember going to my agent, my commercial agent one time. I was there to help them with some of their computer stuff, and I was sitting there on the couch for quite a while, it was it was longer than it should have been. And somebody walked up to me and they said, are you here for the computers? And I said, yeah. And I said, oh, we are so sorry. We thought you were, you were an actor. And I realized <laughs> that here I'd been going to college and everything, studying to, you know, to, to do theater and acting and all that. And I was really getting treated better really as the IT guy than as an actor. Wow. Um, go figure. Um, not to say that I don't enjoy all of that stuff too, but I also I also enjoyed technology, and I felt that I had more control at the time of whether or not I was going to be able to bring on an additional client. Right. Um, over whether or not I would, um, you know, for example, book a commercial, which seemed more subjective to me. Right. Right. No doubt. And it's weird. My wife and I a few years ago went out to Santa Monica, California. Um, I worked for a small consultancy in Minneapolis, and we took a trip out there. And I swear, every fifth person I met was an unemployed writer, an unemployed copywriter, an unemployed actor slash actress. So I can I can relate to your plight back in '96. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So talk to me. You know, you told us a little bit about why the passion behind starting your company. What, what problems do you feel that you're solving? 
today, um, you know, maybe that of that that you've and and that you've really continued to solve since you first started um, CSG way back when. The problems we're solving, in and of themselves, which really is helping people operate their business mm-hmm. and helping to make sure the technology stays up and running. I think that that part has remained the same, and being able to provide uh, a good experience, a quality experience, uh, yeah. good customer service. That hasn't changed. Right. What has changed is the individual needs uh, to make that happen. The, Got it. The why, at least for us, which is to help people, to enable people to build their businesses and be successful, that stayed the same. Yeah. But now with the cloud technology and, and security and everything else, you know, that's changed completely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the cloud was literally a puffy thing uh, in the in the sky back in 1996. So I assume that there's been just a few changes since then, right? I don't think it was even on our, our radar yeah. back then. I was working at CompUSA before that. And, you know, internet, the, we were just starting to get Netscape and... Prodigy you know, and, yes, yeah, all those crazy, that, yeah. yeah, crazy technologies. Who's who's your ideal customer? Who's an ideal prospect or persona for CSG, and and what is your role with that with that ideal customer, ideal client? Well, for us, typically the ideal companies that we work with are usually they're usually B two Bs. They okay. are offering some sort of you know professional service. They uh, range in size, typically from uh, twenty to one hundred and twenty employees. Okay, um, and they are they have mission critical. Uh, infrastructure or cloud services that really need to stay up and running. They, you know, we, we meet with clients that, that don't meet that. that. Don't meet that. Sometimes they don't have mission critical stuff. Sometimes they're okay to be down for a while. And typically, I found that those aren't the best fits. And we look for companies that they value what we do. They don't really want to meddle in it too much. They're mm-hmm. not going to be in in the weeds, so to speak. Um, they'd rather let us handle that. I think one of the things I admired about what you just said was we know who our ideal client is and we knew who our ideal client isn't. And I think um, I think a lot of companies don't figure that out till it's till they've fallen down on their face a few times. So I, I really admire that um, that about what you just said. Talk to us a little bit about the average day in Scott Spiro's life. What does that look like? Well I've got two small children and um <laughs> you know then the, the days start quite early because they're kinda up yep. at night. Yep. And um and uh, it, it so, so starts pretty early, and and my day typically starts out with um, helping them out, getting them up out to school, dropping them off, and then kind of getting into the office uh, as soon as I can. And the team starts here at seven, so we've got um, you know the service team is kind of getting ramped up at that point. So right. that when we kind of open the doors, so to speak, at eight, um, we've got we've got everything kind of started by that point. We have different folks that are kind of coming in at different times during the day. Mm-hmm. And then I structure my time. I try to structure, Have I theme my days. Mondays and Wednesdays are my, focused mostly on sales-related activities. Tuesdays and Thursdays are focused more on my meeting with meetings and, and touch bases with existing clientele. Fridays is admin management days. Based on those themes, I construct the time of the day accordingly to try to focus on those kind of key tasks. It doesn't mean that it happens every day. It certainly doesn't. But that's kind of my main, my main focus. And then I try to schedule out time also um, that I can kind of wrap everything up. Um, it's important to not let things fall through the cracks. And so that's that's really important. No doubt. No doubt. And I think that structure really helps you, you know, really create a, an opportunity where wins come in the door more often than not. And so I, I really, again, I admire that about you. So speaking of that, tell me about some of the wins that you all have celebrated as being an owner of your technology business. 
Well, there's been a lot of wins. I mean, mm-hmm. I've also fallen on my face, as you mentioned, uh, quite yeah. a few times. Um, Haven't we all? <laughs> yeah. Um, the most recent win was probably hitting the Inc. 5000 for the third year in a row. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I, that was probably the most recent uh, win. You know, I think whenever we bring on a new, a new kind of cool client, that's always a win for us. Rolling out new processes that we've been working hard on is a win. Uh, seeing that kind of move forward is really good. There's been a. I think there's. I try to. I try to look for daily wins, um, weekly wins. It's. It's. Um, you know, Inc. Five thousand only comes around once a year. It does. If you're lucky. Yeah. Exactly. No, I think. Um, I think what a lot of and, and you can probably attest to this, and and I've I've been part of this too. You get so heads down in the weeds, and you get buried in in the tasks and the minutia of the everyday life. Sometimes you you fail to overlook and, and really, um, you know, smell the roses, so to speak. I know that's kind of a corny cliche to use, but it, but it's true, right? And if you forget to celebrate a lot of those little wins, at the end of the day, you can go back and look and just, you know, really be discouraged in everything that you went through. So I can appreciate the fact that, you know, that you're finding a lot of them on a day-to-day basis. Talk to us about some of the greatest wins that you've celebrated. I mean, you've been doing this a long time. And as you know, a lot of our Connect Booster partners don't have – uh, I don't want to say the track record of success, but for lack of better words, that that's true. And the, the, the level of success that you guys have had out in LA. So what are some of the greatest accomplishments and the greatest wins that you've had in doing this over your two decades of business? I think that success can be defined in different ways, right? There's certainly, I'm always kind of, it's interesting because sometimes I'll feel like I'm in I'm successful in one area, yep. but I'm not successful uh, as much as I'd like to in another area. Yeah. There was a quote that um, that Robin Robin said that I really appreciated it at one time, where she said that you know as entrepreneurs we're always trying to we're always trying to reach for the horizon, mm-hmm. and you never quite get there because that horizon's always moving. Yep. And so it's that's true. why I've been trying to focus on the daily wins and um, even writing down and journaling what 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 I what I learned today and what what I appreciate that happened today. Um, trying to spend time with my kids and my family and not always being focused on work, which I, which has been trying so difficult for me at times. Yeah. Um, isn't it for us all? Yeah. yeah. I mean, certainly the big wins was when we, I mean, from a business standpoint, the big wins was when we were crossing certain, certain revenue thresholds. Yep. I always thought that was really big. Um, maybe I could consider a win figuring out that it wasn't always about top line revenue. I think that, um, you know, when we go out to industry events, the typical questions re- that you get from everyone is well, how many? How, what's your top line revenue? Yep. How many? How many employees do you have? That's a big one. It is. And the irony of it is, as managed service providers, that's just really a vanity metric, isn't it? The real win is 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 uh, how much how much profit you have mm-hmm. and how efficient you oh, are. Oh, absolutely. And that's not measured by Inc. Five Thousand, by no, the way. Not at all. I and wish so, EBITDA was that that one metric. They removed that metric, and I don't know why. Like I think, um, and not to interrupt you, but I think a lot of companies uh, who sign up for the Inc. Five Thousand. I think that there's a better metric that they can use to really prove the health, the true health of an organization. You know what I mean? Of course. I mean, but as a marketer, I understand their their marketing and they want yeah. to sign people up and get them in there. It's a big marketing machine. Oh, totally. Um, but I would say that's that's probably if looking back on my, you know, talking to myself, if I could going back to the way I was when I started out, that would be probably a big message. Oh, um, absolutely. Which I didn't quite understand. And as the business becomes larger and more complicated. Um, you start to realize that that efficiency is, is a, becomes a really big big part of the business. If you are successful, you've got to figure out how do you operate that. And I'm sure you guys have gone through similar, you yep. know, as you you've grown and I've grown with you. We have. Um, we've all seen that. And and <laughs> and the other thing is, 
another win is really being able to figure out not just the clients that are the best clients, but figuring out the best vendors to work with. Um, I've been able to get better at that and identify who those people and organizations are. You know, Connect Booster, I, I look at as one of those quality organizations that we've been with for a long time. And, you know, you, you you're just great folks to work with. And you genuine, I feel that you genuinely care about the success of our company. Of course, you've got a lot of clients now. So for that to stay in place, I think means something. And not every organization is, is like that. But there, I could probably name, you know, five of them that exist that I or less that that I feel that way about. Yeah. No, um, thanks for adding yeah. us to that list. And yeah, and culture is a really big deal. I know to, Ray, to Brady and Ryan. Um, you know, the two owners here, two primary sure. active owners, and, and Tyler is one of the owners too. But I think called that that culture and that servitude culture is really important. And it's part of our core values. It's part of integrity and being happy and grateful. And, um, you know, yeah, so we, we pride ourselves on that. So thanks for, the, thanks for the compliment. We appreciate that. So I've learned a lot over the past couple of years as the company has grown about how do you how do you really run an efficient organization? Yeah. How do you lead that organization? Right. Um, where do what am I good at? What I'm not so good at? How do I fill those gaps? And really putting the ego aside somewhat and uh, really facing that, um, you know, because as you grow an organization, you, you need to get the right people in the right seats and so on. You do. Yeah, I love the Rockefeller habits as they talk through those things. And and we know the real reason that you haven't been out here is because you're afraid that we put our friends in wood chippers like the movie Fargo, right? That's part of it. The other part of it is I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm afraid I'm going to I'm gonna freeze out there if I come <laughs> out in the wintertime. Right. Um, you know, I'm from L.A., so. Yeah, we've talked about doing the next, um, well, once we get to the point where Connect Booster is large enough, we want to do a user conference in January, and we want to give people parkas as a giveaway with the saying on the slogan on the backside that says something to the effect of, I survived winter in Fargo, and then, you know, just set them loose to go back to L.A. or, you know, or Nashville or wherever nice and warm and sunny is opposite of Fargo, so. That is funny. That would be awesome. It would be. Talk to me about when, when and, you, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but you didn't go mm-hmm. too deep into it. I, I, I want to know, when did you first have the notion that you wanted to be self-employed? Uh, maybe the third after the third time I got fired, perhaps. Um, <laughs> that might have been a good indicator. My dad always encouraged me to go into my own business, although he okay. was quite successful as an employee. Yeah, uh, he worked it very well, actually, uh, working for ADP, and when they were when they were growing, and he became an uh, an executive there. Okay. And uh, but nevertheless, I think that that partly that certainly had something to do with it. But it's had its ups and downs. I mean, there's been. I mean, I remember thinking back in like uh, when the bur- when the bubble burst back in 1999, and yep. then again when the 2008 when the yep. financial market crashed. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, am I doing this? Am I doing the right thing here? It seemed like my friends that had worked for a while at, at various companies seemed to be doing better than I was. Yeah. And uh, my life seemed to be a lot, a lot harder. But then again, it's always the grass is greener and yeah, you never know what's truly going on. It's kind of like the, you know, the Facebook thing where you think everybody's life is all happy and hunky-dory because that's right. all that they're posting. No, what they what I call Instagram or Facebook syndrome, right? You took a take a look at all the awesome vacations and people are having, but then you get to know them a little bit and you realize that their marriage is a wreck, their finances are in disarray, and they, you know, kick the dog every time they come home at night from work. So yeah, I, I completely hear what you're saying. Things are not always what they seem on the outside. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly some of the benefits of being involved in some of the communities that I've been involved with is meeting other like-minded entrepreneurs and finding out that the things that I was going through, you know, weren't necessarily indicative of of an issue that I have, but rather a struggle that, you know, entrepreneurs go through. And when you try to explain that to to folks that aren't entrepreneurs, it's um, sometimes they're, they're shocked, 
Sometimes yeah. they don't understand why you do what you do. Right. Um, but it's not – being an entrepreneur isn't easy. Running a managed services business is particularly difficult. These are difficult businesses to run. We have multiple lines of businesses within our organizations. We're not just selling a widget. We have different parts of the business running on different cadences with their own profitability metrics. And um, I didn't have a business degree. I didn't come into this with that sort of thing. I had to find other folks that had that skill set. And I would say, you know, I mean, you're familiar with Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. You know, he mm-hmm. really tackled the dirtiest, most dangerous jobs in the world on his show. That was kind of the, the impetus to his show. But I would say that running... Uh, being an entrepreneur in America and running a managed service provider is definitely top of the list in terms of difficulty. You know, we talked about the notion of wanting to be self-employed and, and how you kind of came across that. What was what was the shift change to your like or to your family like? What, what was that perceived right when you went home and said, "Hey, I'm going to hang up the idea and the notion of becoming uh, a thespian and and really becoming an actor and pursuing the arts." Like, I'm going to give that up, and I really want to go into owning my own IT business. How was that move perceived? Yeah, very well. Granted, I was younger, so I didn't have as much risk on the line, although I didn't necessarily understand that. Um, I had other jobs that I was doing while I was building this. So I was working other jobs that gave me some flexibility. Um, Now, if they found out I was doing this, they weren't generally pleased. Yeah. Um, But I think that I I remember a time in particular when I was was teaching drama, actually, at a a camp – up in here in LA and uh, it was just a really great experience and I was directing a show there for kids and it's mm-hmm. awesome and I remember my dad coming up you know remember he's the business guy and he yeah. came up to see the show and I remember I must have been about 24 at the time and after the show you know I walked up and said what do you think and he said I was really good it was great you did a great job um, um, but now um, the camp is wrapping up and now it's time to produce that was the term that was the word he used and wow. I never forgot about it um and I, I guess, you know, I, I probably came out of that and um, had to refocus on on building the business. But it was hard. I would yeah. say that those three years for me, and I'm thinking back to, let's say, I don't know, 90, 96 to 99 or okay. 95 to 99 was were particularly difficult and challenging. Okay. Wow. What? So how did that feel when your dad said, hey, it's time to produce? Was it a feeling of... You know, he just challenged me as a man, and I'm going to step up and really get this done, and I'm gonna, I'm really gonna prove any insecurity that's deep down inside of me, telling, I, telling me I can't do this wrong, or was it a feeling of discouragement? Like, walk us through that. Well, I think I was lucky in that he always encouraged me. Okay, it was never a time, even when I screwed up, it was never a time where he said you can't do it. It was always, um, hmm. you can do this. Even now. I'll come and say, hey, I went through this. He said, oh, you know, you'll get through this and you'll learn from this. And and I was lucky to have a dad that was constantly encouraging me. And yeah. now I have other entrepreneurs like through EO, Entrepreneurs Organization and mm-hmm. other folks that when yeah. I do have challenges that um, come up, I can bounce it off these folks. But I was lucky. that So there was never – there was always self-doubt. There's still self-doubt. I, I choose not to put people around me that are negative and I've had to work hard to weed those folks out over yep. the years. Um, once I start to smell that, you know, negative energy coming off them, or I start to sense that there's something not yeah. quite right there, right? You, you just got to jettison that and you just can't have that around you. I just talked to my dad and he just turned 70 recently. And, uh, I mean, the guy's as fit as a fiddle and super active. And one of the things that he always tells me on every phone call, and we talk multiple times during most weeks, he says, David, I'm proud of you. And he always mm-hmm. says, don't worry about the little things in life. You'll, you'll get through it. And those are those are almost always the two messages I get from from talking with him. And it's amazing the stuff, the the minutia or the crap that I might be going through in that week. And when he speaks those two words of truth into my life, it's like poof. 
You just pop yeah. a balloon, all the air comes out, and all the stress is gone. And at the end of the day, you feel like, and you know that you'll get mm-hmm. through whatever challenge that you're pushing through. Exactly. And I'm also, I'm married to a farmer's daughter. I, she's out of, she's British. She's a farmer, and they have little, they just, they're used to working really, really hard. They work yeah. seven days a week. And there's not a lot of sympathy that I have to go home and say, oh, you know, this wasn't working or this. It's usually get a grip. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> That's so great. at least to my dad, I can call him up and say, hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think you got to have people around you that are you tough do. and you can, and they'll can tell you the truth too, right? They can tell you, listen, you're, you're kind of off base here. Maybe you're not looking at this properly. And I've had some people around me, especially the last couple of years, um, that have been good mentors and good leadership coaches to help me see things differently right. and lead differently. And as I've had a larger team to work with, um, you know, I've worked, we've worked on the culture of the company and, and I've, I work on myself. So if there's, you know, some people can call me, we do 360 reviews. So yep. somebody, something that uh, I'm not doing well, or I could improve on, you know, I'm pretty approachable. Those are tough to hear three, the results from a lot of 360 reviews. So I can appreciate that you go through that on a regular basis. What, um, talk to me, what draws you back into your business every day? I've worked hard to remove a lot of the, the issues or the systems we had previously, or let's say say lack of systems that resulted in us having a lot of fires to put out and a lot of stress in in the day-to-day operations of the company. I've, I've tried to operate a, a leaner, smaller business that is um, quite agile and, um, and less, there's, there's less drama and less fires. I'm not sure exactly yeah. the way to put it. Um, no, that makes sense. Perfect sense. I just want to come in and, and have a you know have an environment that is that's fun yep. and that um, I have really good people. Everybody on this team um, are people that I'd want to hang out with. I can go have lunch with. Um, nice. You know, there's nobody here that doesn't fit the culture. And when they come in, if we hire somebody that doesn't for some reason, everybody can spot that pretty quick. Nice. Um, it's yeah. a good feeling, isn't it? It's got to be. Uh, it's got to be both motivating and amazing to look back on everything that you all have gone through, and to to the point where you're where you are now, and you just kind of sit back just for a moment, not dwell on it for a long time, but just to sit back and and I want to say give yourself a pat on the back, but because I don't think that uh, most entrepreneurs that I know don't do that a lot, but just to be able to look back, it's got to be amazing to look at the point where you started up until the point where and the successes that you guys have achieved today. Yeah, I think. It's pretty amazing. Some of the challenges we've had, some yeah. challenges, you know, people know about. My friends know some stuff is super, some stuff's pretty, pretty harsh. Um, yeah, you know, that we all kind of go through. Um, so talk to those if you could for a minute. You know, I know firsthand how tough it can be being an entrepreneur. The stress. The, I mean, I have, I don't have any hair much on my head anymore because I, I feel personally, and that's kind of a joke, but it's also a little bit serious too. I know how bad anxiety can, um, can kill you, and I know how. Um, I, over the last 12 months, I struggled with some anxiety attacks and some panic attacks personally in my professional life. And so I know how hard it can be to be in a growing business and it's extremely stressful. It can be extremely taxing. So I guess share with what you can, um, certainly don't want anything inappropriate, but what are some of the struggles that you've gone through in owning a managed service business? I mean, everything from, you know, from, from having massive, um, service delivery issues to clients leaving that you didn't expect, groups of clients leaving. I mean, we've been through everything over the years. I've had employees that, that wigged out. Um, I've had some fairly, you know, some you know times where we had people physically threatening other people, um, where we had to call, you know, the police. I mean, I, I, I've been through a lot. 
Yeah, I've been through a lot, and that's that's stuff that's that's out of that, some of that's out of your control. I mean, there's a it lot is. that's out of your control. So it is. you know, it's like everybody talks about it. It's it's how you react to those situations. And in some of the situations, I had to spin up offices uh, on the fly so that people would come to work because they had been threatened in some way. Um, right. I've had to. I've had to reach out to vendors in situations. I've I've had some very and Microsoft would be one that kind of stands out where they've come to you know help me in various situations where I've reached out to people within these organizations for personal favors yeah. um, to help me with specific clients. Man, I've seen it. I've seen a lot. I guess it's yeah. Now looking back on it, it's been a lot. You know, it has didn't been. expect to think about that in this interview. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> we but, surprised um, you. <laughs> I think look at the end of the day, it, it is a people business. It's the relationships that you build. Put the technology and the computers aside. It's the people that you interact with. And, and, and interestingly enough, it's a pretty small community. It is. And um, I think that your reputation is very, very important. It is. Um, I've built some really strong relationships by doing some things that mm-hmm. you would probably consider to be maybe unorthodox or maybe not what you would expect. Right. Um, I'll give you an example. There's certainly been situations where we've been in need of new engineering resources, and and everybody knows that getting the quality people is super hard. It is. And um, and I've I remember one situation that occurred. It's happened a couple times. I remember one time where I there was a a, re, a resume that came across our desk, and we had we, we thought this was a really good guy. Uh, my folks had done some interviews, were about to hire him. They gave it to me for approval, and I looked, and he was actually working at another MSP in in the area. And um, I reached out actually to that particular owner hmm. and he's a competitor. Interesting. And rather than hire his guy, um, I called him up and I said, listen, you've got a problem. The guy who is I'm is about ready to leave. We were about to hire him and I want to give you the heads up in case you want to maybe solve that issue yeah. before we give him an offer. Wow. That's huge integrity. Um, and look, I, I I don't know. It's really in a it may, maybe, but I think it is from a business standpoint. From a, I wouldn't be violating any business what I would consider to be business rules by hiring the guy. But I happen to know what that's like, mm-hmm. and I reached out to this guy and gave him the heads up, and um, we now we're very good friends. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he said to me, "You know what? My my my. I think he said that my grandmother or somebody was having cancer treatment. This is going on. If this guy had left, I mean, you can I take you out to dinner? What can I do? And wow. now." Um, he's become a good friend of mine. I saw him this weekend, actually. And um, he still runs that company. So I found, whereas before I was hyper-sensitive and paranoid about working and talking to other competitors in the area, I'm now right. the opposite, right? I partner with them and I share, and, and for many of them, they're, they're the same. So, wow, I mean, that was a that was huge. And some of the leadership training I've gotten has steered me in some very different, way, different directions the way I handle situations that you would normally think. Yeah, no doubt. I, I once had a mentor that told me success is defined by helping other people get to where they want to be in life and helping them find success themselves. And it sounds like that was the definition of what you did in this gentleman's case. The last couple of questions I've got are, um, you know, automation is really critical to the success of any growing MSP business. What are some of the processes and systems that you all are automating today? So we work with, um, well, of course, there's Connect Booster, your mm-hmm. your stuff. We try, we, we that was what I think attracted to me to that service in the beginning that you mm-hmm. had this integration that was in theory would make things easier to do, and then it has. We also work, uh, we do a lot of work in ConnectWise with using ConnectWise tracks okay. and got a lot of processes around that. Um, we try to engage with different tools that um, pull data. Okay. automatically that we can then grab stuff from. So we've worked with, you know, different systems that 
provide um, you know dashboards and things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. There's there's probably a, a plethora of other uh, automation tools that we use. Um, yeah, but then at the end of the day, uh, there's a few things that aren't automated because that simply we just need to put our brains to it, yeah. and um, oh, we totally. need to take all the data that's been automated. And at the end of the day, that data comes out, and we make heads and tails out of it. Well, talk to me about what automation has done to improve those lives inside of your office. Well, I, there's a lot as we grew. I mean, once you pass, um, you know, you pass, let's say, ten people, then that's where I think you start to have some confusion. When you pass twenty people without process. Uh, things really start to break down quickly. We've spent a couple of years working on processes, and there was no way that we could grow further than we could without getting back into that. And, and HDG was a big part of helping us with that yeah. process too. Um, really identifying that um, we had a lot of we were lacking in, in process, and so yeah. now we're quick to spot what if something is a is this are we looking at a people problem? Are we looking at a process problem? Right. Are we looking at a combination? Wh- right. Where the issue and yeah. before i assume that somebody was just not that somebody had messed up I, I go and look back where was the process that you were following right so i automate based on the processes that we establish so we have the process now let's figure out what elements of this process can we automate yeah. and there's various tools that allow you mm-hmm. to do it but sometimes you do run into situations where you're kind of up against your own operational maturity level or yep. oml yep and, um, you know, I kind of know, I know where our OML is. I know where I'd like it to be. I can see where we need to improve. Yep. And uh, whereas I think the Scott of four years ago would be, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Give, let's get let's get this done within the next 48 hours. I mean, I'm now I'll say, okay, let's, this is a six month. This is a one year project. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, more, a lot more realistic about what it takes to, uh, to grow. You know, it's funny, you, you talked about the uh, improvement in processes. I'm reading a book right now called The Reluctant Entrepreneur by Dan Masterson. It's a phenomenal book. Anybody who's <laughs> in business needs to read it. And right. the, the two oh. things he talks about in that book that take entrepreneurs from maybe just freelancing or moonlighting or kicking around the idea of becoming an entrepreneur or becoming self-employed are scalability because of processes. And mm-hmm. in the book, he says, very few entrepreneurs take an original idea and make it a billion-dollar business. Most of them take something that's already been done, tried and true. They maybe improve this by adding extra value to it, and then they become the number one or market two, number one or number two marketplace leader inside of whatever XYZ that they're doing, and they improve that through the scalability of processes. So it just piggybacks on what you're saying. So I found that really, really relevant based on the book I'm reading. Mm-hmm. There was a blog piece I wrote several years ago called The 31... 31- 31 things I would tell my younger self is extremely therapeutic. If you could talk to your younger self after seeing what you you guys and, 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 and your team has gone through at CSG and just the evolution of that and, and in terms of what you've accomplished today, what would you say? What sort of wisdom would you impart on your younger self? Smell the roses along the way. I would, I would say just enjoy yourself as much as you can along the way. Uh, don't focus too much on top line revenue and yeah. and plot of employees, but rather what's your bottom line? How efficient are you? Um, focus. Continue to focus on the customer service piece because without the customer service piece, you know, I don't think you can have a lot of the other conversations you might want to have with your clients. Yeah. Um, I agree. Go out into the community and and find out who your competitors are, and then go partner with them. Go meet them. Take them out to lunch. Um, you know, there's enough, depending on your metro or where you're located, like LA, there's enough business here for all of us. So, you know, I, I tend to believe that. 
Yeah. It makes it easier here. Yeah. Um, find, find the best vendors that you can to work with the best partners that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that would be some of my messaging. Um, you know, that, that things will work out as they should. Um, you, you know, the things are, my, my found that things are generally not as bad as you think they'll be. But, yeah. but unfortunately if, if, if something does happen, it can be a lot worse than you thought. Yeah. But, um, you know, you just kind of grit and, and, and bear it and get through it and lo- see what you can learn from that. Yeah. There's always something you generally don't learn so much when things are working. No, um, that's exactly it. You don't learn anything from success. You learn by failure. And no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think that the initial knee-jerk reaction while we're going through a struggle or a trial is that it's going to work out absolutely terribly and you lose everything and you'll end up a criminal in prison. But, you know, very, very few uh, time does, does that actually happen. If you, were exactly. to, if you were to sit down today, you're talking to a young entrepreneur, a guy, say, in L.A. or Minneapolis or Boston who's just starting his MSP. What advice would you have for him starting his or her journey? Good, good question there. Say top two or three things would you impart on this young young guy or young gal who's starting their, their entrepreneurial journey as an IT owner? I would probably suggest thinking about verticalizing your business perhaps when you start, okay. finding an industry that maybe you have some contacts in or you have some interest in and maybe catering to that particular industry and okay. get just kind of diving deep into that. that. That might be a good thing to do. Makes sense. Um, you can now start an IT business it's a lot different than when, when I was starting out. It I was. mean, there's a lot of vendors that allow you to build outsource teams and be able to handle larger clients mm-hmm. with less staff, which there's some there's some really great benefits to that, but always watch over the um, the quality of the service mm-hmm. because they're not it's not your team. And I think that that's a challenge. It is. Um so you be. know, you'd have to kinda of, can be, so you gotta kinda of measure that out and yeah, I would say you know choose choose the choose the vendors wisely. Ask around, talk talk to other and vendor, talk to other IT owners about what technologies they've had success with. Yeah, and um, to, don't before just kind of jumping in on that sort of thing. I would I would do some research. Makes sense. That's really good wisdom. Wise counsel, I think, is always important when trying to choose different vendors that you want to do business with and work with. Lastly, Scott, what's the number one point or message that you want to drive home to any of your peers who are listening to this podcast today? We've covered a lot on this particular call. We have, and um, probably <laughs> in a different areas than I than I would have thought. So I think there's some really good stuff here between both some of the things that you've offered and and, and what I've offered. I would just say that you know acknowledge the fact that that this is that you're always going to be learning new things. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know it all. You're going to have to uh, um, const- be, be a constant student, mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know you, you're going to be learning everything from how to be a better time manager to how to manage your books to how to do better client support, customer service, um, how to become a better leader. But the good news is that it all doesn't come at once. Um, you kind of focus on each thing, and at each plateau, there's uh, something new, some new challenge to learn. And so just, yeah, it's, it's not something that's – it's always going to be something new and a new challenge. And just make sure you're up for it. Hit the gym. Take, take care of yourself physically because that's a big part of it too. I love and it. You have to have enough energy to kind of – Take care of everybody else, and um, yeah, and and you and you do have a lot of stuff riding on you, right? You have a lot of challenges, a lot of stress. People tend to bring their problems to you if you're the leader. They do. I love it. That's great wisdom, Scott. Lastly, where can people find out more about you and your business? You can go to. You can tweet me. I'm at Scott Spiro. It's on Twitter. Um, you can hit my website, csgsupport.net. Um, Scott Just if you hit me up on Twitter, that's probably. A, one of the easiest places to, to get to me. 
Awesome. Scott, this has been wonderful. You've been a great guest. Um, I appreciate the wisdom and the humility and everything that we talked about today. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today on the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast, where we believe that healthy cash flow is critical for your IT business, automation is paramount, and building trust with your clients by looking professional will help you grow your business. A special thanks again to Scott Spiro of CSG Support. Computer Solutions Group can be found online at csgsupport.net. And to download the full podcast or listen to the entire cast online, check us out at connectbooster.com forward slash podcast. Again, thanks for joining us today on the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast. We'll talk to you soon.